time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thrivology Podcast, the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what life is throwing your way, and life is throwing some interesting things our way these days. We've been talking about the pandemic, and today we're going to talk somewhat about the pandemic, but we're going to talk about some strategies and skills that you can help to find your calm in an easy way. If you've thought to yourself, I don't know how to meditate, I can't do that, I can't sit quietly, well... Today, we're going to kind of dispel that rumor. Today, I'm talking with David Dashinger and Tamara Green. He is, Tam, uh, David is, a Grammy-nominated engineer and composer. He's also a professional firefighter. So he's both a musical composer and a firefighter. It's a couple of hats that are very different to wear, but he's also a stage four cancer survivor. Tamara took care of David during his illness, but she is also a world-class relationship expert. She's a caregiver support leader, a hypnotherapist, and a movement guru. She's also an international best-selling author, speaker, and trainer, and dubbed by Elle magazine as the soul-centered psychotherapist and meditation facilitator. She's regularly sought after and featured by Today, Bravo, Elle, and Dating Advice magazine. They created together the process that can help you from your pocket, figure out how to find a moment of calm, to figure out how to meditate. They created the Loving Meditations app. This app helps you, from your phone, find a way through the chaos of the day to find your place of calm, of stress-free living. They have also created together lots of Loving Meditation self-care tools that can radically enhance the lives of thousands. And today, they help not only those who are suffering from major illness, but people like you and me who are trying to figure out how to make it through this very interesting time. So now, let's listen in as I get to have a conversation with David Dashinger and Tamara Green. David, Tamara, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have this conversation, especially in this moment in history. But before we get to this moment, let's go back a little bit and let's talk about how you got to hear, especially how you got to hear in terms of what we'll be talking about today. So tell us a little bit about your story. Thanks, Lee. And we're thrilled to be here with you to have this conversation. The fall of 2013, uh, I was going for a routine haircut. And in the midst of that, my barber noticed something on my neck, which he pointed out to me. And I had no idea it was there, but something like a walnut-sized lump. Hmm. And that started us on a journey to a diagnosis of stage four cancer treatment, including chemo, radiation, and surgery. And all the roller coaster ups and downs of that medical odyssey. Um, So through that, we, as a couple discovered strength in each other, but also discovered some tools we had learned earlier in life came into play and were very useful to get through the cancer stress uh, on a daily basis. And that led us to create a business together where we were uh, really passionate about paying forward the, the lessons we learned and the tools that we had to help people through their medical journeys. And that was the, the incarnation of Loving Meditations. So let's go back a little bit. Let's go back a little bit. Stage four, um, that's not the diagnosis you want to hear. Uh, First, cancer is not, but certainly not stage four. So 
Um, what was um, what was a part of that? I mean, a uh, little bit more depth about what that looked like for you, the outlook, outcome. Uh, obviously, outcome, you're still here. So um, yeah. stage four outcomes are, are not great. So you've, you've overcome the odds, but tell us a little bit more about that. Right. Well, there is no stage five. So when you're hearing stage four, it means it's metastasized into other parts of your body. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a good diagnosis to receive. And so sort of in a parallel way to what's going on today, where people have now had to sort of stop working and stop having their normal daily routines, our life was put into a turmoil like instantly. Hmm. And there's a sense of numbness, shock, chaos that uh, we, we found ourselves in immediately hearing those words from the doctor. And at the same time, we had to mobilize and start the treatment process, which was pretty aggressive because stage four means it's in a place where, you know, it's just, it's moving its way through your body. Mm -hmm. So, um, and please add to this, uh, any thoughts you have, but as a couple, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty epic uh, moment in our lives. Especially since our son, four days before David's diagnosis, our 13 year old son was diagnosed with Lyme disease which gave us a lot of confirmation of why he was in and out of the nurse's office and why we had to keep mm. picking him up from school because he just felt so lousy with terrible headaches and all kinds of stuff. So all of a sudden, my two guys are really sick mm-hmm. and both in their own treatment. And our daughter was already off to college. So it was me as the caregiver holding down the fort for both of them. So it was, it was quite a, a, a crisis time like it is now with COVID-19. The, the difference between then and now is um, as you were going through that, the rest of the world keeps buzzing around you. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing else was stopping. Um, we're in a moment where all of us are feeling that uncertainty, but everybody's doing it collectively, which has um, its good and bad sides. I mean, you, you were going through a process in isolation um, while the rest of the world just moved on. Right. Uh, and that means that the rest of the world still is there for you now um, mm-hmm. is, you know, it's kind of everybody on pause, which has um, some struggles too. But I'm just aware of that moment um, because I've been there where you hear something and you realize that nobody else is aware of your struggle. Uh, which can feel isolating and painful, uh, especially at the point when you're um, facing. I mean, they don't say lightly stage four. I mean, that that carries a lot of weight with it. Absolutely. So tell us more about that. Right. So it's, and it's interesting, too, because I'm finding myself right now in sort of the reverse role. Um, I'm a career firefighter, so now I go to work and I'm out there hmm doing what I do when everyone else is sort of in the mode of staying home, sheltering in place. Um, but yes, it, it was a life changer in that I couldn't work now. And I, we had to re, really reconfigure our lives around the treatment. So really the medical, uh, the medical issue drives your behavior, your actions, your plans, or your future. What do you, all the things you've planned to do, we're all now off the table. Mm-hmm. So um, what was it like for you as a caregiver? Well, David talked about him being in shock. He was. He was like in it, something in you kind of shut down. In fact, can I tell the story? Yeah. He, he didn't even hear the word stage four. Mm-hmm. I heard the word. I heard the doctors tell him 
stage four, but he didn't even hear that until, what was it, even months later. Um, so he was in shock and kind of, you know, not, I don't know, you weren't really saying anything too, too negative or anything. You were just kind of um, doing what the doctors were telling you to do. I was not sleeping. I was pretty anxious for a few weeks. Um, very concerned, very, very, very busy trying to or orchestrate everything between, you know, sometimes, you know, I needed somebody to pick up my son from school or organize his doctor's appointments, David's doctor's appointments, getting to infusion center, the whole thing for David. But, and my, and my, I'm a psychotherapist, um, couples therapist and a individual group psychotherapist. And I had to arrange my own business too. Um, so I have to admit that in the first couple of weeks, I was not following my own advice <laughs> that I would give clients. I was in crisis mode myself mm -hmm. until I finally realized, whoa, Tamara, what are you doing? Come on. You know, what, what advice would you give a client? Now let's kind of, you know, take a deep breath and come back to what you know what you, you're supposed to do during this time. And that's when I really uh, reinstituted my gratitude uh, journaling, my um, meditation practice, uh, just, you know, focusing on nature several times a day. And it really made a huge difference to just lower that stress level. So I'm kind of curious, just given your story. Um, so David, firefighter, um, you may be the atypical, but the typical firefighter has a very good uh, capacity of compartmentalizing. You know, you, you've got to do your job and um, set aside fear, set aside the, all of the, the uh, trauma of that in order to go do your job and then come home and uh, not carry that with you. So here you are. Am I accurate that that is your capacity? That that yeah, that's very yeah. accurate. Okay, and uh, Tamara, you're living your life trying to get people to not compartmentalize. <laughs> you're so good, Lee. How, how does that work, <laughs> or how did it work? Because my guess is this kind of uh, threw that up in the air a little bit. But what what was that like before? Um, you know. He compartmentalized quite a bit before, but I have to say I'm I'm wearing on him over the years, Lee, and he's much, much more in um, present with his feelings that come up. Um, you know, this COVID-19 situation with, you know, how many people, uh, well, you call it the last ride, how many people have you picked up at that assisted living place where you're taking them to their last ride to the hospital? And but he, but he comes home and he's really able to, um, you know, share his feelings around that. It's been really tough. Mm. So I feel very proud of him that he um, is more in touch with his feelings than in our in now than in our entire twenty six year marriage. So. It's it's interesting when I talk with people who have an experience, they tell me that they realize that the compartmentalizing they were doing all along was never serving them. It, it was uh, effective, but never uh, really doing what they needed it to do, which, you know, it, it never really kept it away. It just delayed the reaction. So um, it's interesting that uh, now, as many times people find something kind of cracks them open and suddenly uh, they have to um, kind of rejoin the human race. So is that, is that kind of the pattern? 
Well, it's, it is like two different worlds. The world in the firehouse, we have ways of coping with stress. You know, a lot of it's humor, a lot mm-hmm. of it's uh, ribbing. Um, and some of it's just, uh, you know, maybe it is internalized quite a bit. But um, one of the gifts that I got from Tamara during this time and from the relationship and the deepening of the relationship during our cancer journey was to embrace uh, different ways of looking at it. I started out in the victim mode. Why is this happening? I'm a healthy guy. I ate right. I exercise. Poster child for good health. And now I've got this, you know, possibly more, you know, uh, death or life-ending diagnosis. Um, so I was in that place, that depth of the muck where, you know, why me? And Tamara was able to shift me out of that with some simple, very simple um, exercises, something along the lines of a gratitude walk, walking along the golf course, trading off what we're grateful for in our lives. And that had a profound effect in shifting out of that negativity. Um, And so I was decompartmentalizing. Now I'm able to take, uh, press the reset switch on all this stuff Mm -hmm. and go from being the victim of it to being uh, in a position of choosing what experience I was going to have going through this journey. So all of those uh, pieces is where you got on a mission to help other people. And um, I know you said the mission was to help people who are on their medical journey, but it sounds like it's a bigger mission than that. So talk some about what that mission is. It's... um it's really about self-care because that's that's really what it gets down to when we're uh, trying to be our best selves is to institute um, self-care into our daily routine. Uh, now, seven years before David and our son was diagnosed, we had, you know, David is a Grammy-nominated composer, so... Um, he, Actually, I didn't know that. So, uh, tell us a little bit about this. <laughs> go ahead. That's my uh, my other life. <laughs> His other hat. Um, yeah. I How many hats are there? That's, <laughs> I should ask that at the beginning. How many hats yeah. do you need to tell us about? <laughs> yeah, those are the two main ones. Okay. Um, in in a nutshell, I grew up in the record industry and transformed into more of a composer for television and film and uh, so worked on a lot of uh, successful records and that led to the opportunity for the Grammy nomination and uh, later on wrote music for sports on TV so it's mm-hmm. uh, it's actually become part of our loving meditations experience um, because music is is essential to creating some of the the calm and some of the uh, relaxing atmospheres a pretty pretty common background for a firefighter to <laughs> yes well the other <laughs> the other joke is uh, you know how do a musician and a social worker create a business together like where's the common <laughs> <laughs> and then that leads to the story I was starting to tell I'm and sorry. Um, so I, I get, no no I, that's great um, uh, he's he's a very very talented impressive man and I'm very happy to uh, talk him up because he's just so talented. Um, I got this, you know, that thing Lee that happens where you just, you got to start something because there's something inside you keep waking up with this thing, like this little message, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And it's not really, you know, like jabbing you. It's more like this soft kind of voice in the background. I kept hearing it for about two years that I um, was to do a weekly meditation, um, 
you know, this is before Facebook Live or anything like that, to record it and put it out there to on my YouTube channel. And David said, well, why don't I just, you know, compose music to each one of those meditations? So it, uh, it was called Loving Meditation or Miracle Mondays Meditations. That's what it started. So we did that for seven years. And then after the diagnosis, when his oncologist, you know, I used to go to all the um, medical appointments with him. And the oncologist said, you know, David, you were, you went through some really grueling treatment of radiation, chemo, and then major surgery, but you never once need a feeding tube. You didn't need a pick line. You didn't need to be hospitalized for infection, or which is so typical of his type of cancer. What were you doing? You guys were always so calm and even uplifting. And we said, well, we, we've been doing, you know, meditation and mindfulness and gratitude. And, you know, he listed all the things that we had done. And the doctor, the oncologist said, well, I want that for all of my patients. Hmm. I want them to, you know, be like this so that they can have a successful treatment like you did, you know, because so many people come in quite anxious and overwhelmed and, and the caregivers as well. Um, so what l- led us into you know how things just kind of fall into place. This Miracle Mondays um, YouTube channel thing we were doing, just it just made sense for us to do it for people going through medical crisis with our loving meditation business. We've been working together this way for seven years anyway. Mm-hmm. So it started out as a broader, um, you said that something you know, calling at you, which could be called a calling. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely. Goes into a mission when you start acting on it and moving right. towards it. So that was your YouTube uh, was for a broad audience. Yeah, it, you know, my clients would say, "Oh, I wish I had that on recording. That was so nice, uh, Tamara. You know, that kind of breathing technique or meditation or whatever." And I said, "Okay, so now it's recorded and on YouTube and." Here you go. You can listen. I'd make it part of their homework assignment to mm-hmm. to listen to this one on compassion, self compassion, or gratitude, or whatever. So that's how that it was kind of started from my clients uh, pleading me for that for that kind of uh, material. So what's uh, unusual in that is that you actually took action because a lot of times people hear that and they go, "Yeah, somebody ought to do that." <laughs> <laughs> And you were the somebody, you know, when you heard that, you said, yes, I need to do that. And, uh, and which, which points to something that's deeper than, and when you said, how does that work together? You know, the, your two backgrounds, because you're on a mission to do something different uh, and that, that changes the, the tone for everything. So talk some about, um, your a, a kind of an overall approach and why that matters in this time. I mean, what, what's your overall, um, kind of theme for what you do and how does that fit into uh, a pandemic? Well, one thing that's common ground also, like in the cancer experience, there's a lot of downtime because you're not able to do routine everyday activities and you are sometimes in an infusion center for a full day or recovering for the next couple of days, Mm -hmm. tons and tons of available time to do something. Um, I looked at that as an opportunity to introduce positive um, material, whether it was uh, clearing loops, affirmations, um, just beautiful music, meditation, uh, to use the time for that kind of positive, uh, say, uh, self-care, self-improvement, and self-exploration. So in the pandemic, um, I would say that 
quite a few people have that time as well. And we can spend that time doing things that are, uh, you know, totally like vegging out on television or social media or YouTube. Um, and we can also choose to use some of that time in a positive way to benefit ourselves as a time to grow, as a time to expand and to uh, or go inward and reflect and see um, see what's in there, like kind of quiet the mind and, and go within. So I think there's opportunities in medical challenges, uh, particularly because there's so much time, not to mention waiting. Um, if we are going for medical services, we spend a lot of time in the waiting room. Now that waiting room might be at home or it might be in our car, but how do we spend that time? Um, we found one of the most stressful things was the TV in the waiting room showing news, talk shows, game shows. And so we were inspired to create something for that, a calming um, experiential TV program that could be shown in doctors' waiting rooms to help people de-stress and unwind, relax, and be more receptive before their appointments. Hmm. Wow. Because it really is. I mean, we're in a media world these days, and um, it's hard to not... Um, and when you said veg, I was imagining, you know, the veg part of that is being boiled alive, you know, <laughs> it's like dropping the carrots and, <laughs> and the, the boiling water. If you're vegging out, you're probably getting bombarded with um, lots of uh, fearful, scary stuff right now. Um, and that was your, you know, your thing. And I, I, I don't know how many times I've sat in an airport looking up and they're playing the news and I'm going, wow, this, you know, this feels good to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. in a stressful situation, amped up on stressful stories, uh, and right. the same for a doctor's office. You know that what you need there is calm, not um, not something that's uh, boiling you there a little bit more. So, how has that been a part of that the mission? How did that? How has that played out? Tell us a little bit about the app and about uh, what's in that. Well, um, we we created in a context that it's we call freemium where there's free content and there's uh, subscription-based premium content and it's um, really runs the gamut from um, experiential self-care exercises to straight ahead guided meditations some of them are specific to medical treatment like chemo or getting a scan and some of them are very general um, we'll take someone through a gratitude meditation or a breathing exercise. Some of them are as short as two minutes. Some of them are as long as 20 plus minutes for um, some of our sleep meditations, which people put on a playlist loop and uh, they're having trouble sleeping. We, we know that they just run it all night long and um, it helps them sleep better. Um, there's channels that are specific playlists for topics. We have a COVID channel which has um, seven programs um, dealing with different aspects of stress, worry, grief, and loss around the coronavirus. And um, we have a channel in Spanish for those that um, are Spanish-speaking. And um, other topics are kind of grouped in that way. And your hope is what for people? If, if somebody is using that, what are, you, what are you hoping they'll get out of that? Well, we want people to be in that better space, uh, more receptive, um, to, to be more calm and relaxed and less stressed in their medical journey, or it could be on an everyday basis because, um, there's enough stress as you touched on before we're bombarded with information that's can be stress inducing. We've got enough stress at work. 
Um, we have so many stressors that we really need to do something positive for ourselves with, uh, and we like to we like to offer that to people um, as an alternative, easy, portable, super simple. Put in the earbuds, turn on the app, press play. And I'd like to add to that too that. It doesn't have to be sitting down for, you know, even a 20-minute meditation. You know, we have so many little, what, what, we, what we call one-minute-to-calm exercises that in one minute, if you do like one minute per hour uh, throughout a, let's say, an eight-hour eight time span, you are getting more than the benefit of a 50, sitting down for 15, 50 full minutes. So our what we want people to know is that it's so much easier to create calm and, and instant, you know, stress reduction than they think it is. Cause so many people, I heard, I heard it last night uh, again, it, cause I run a, um, a weekly uh, cancer caregiver group and I just can't meditate. And I said, well, can you breathe? Yeah. Well then you can meditate. You know, can you, focus on an object and describe it to me. Well, yeah, well, then you can meditate. That's a mindfulness thing you can do right now. So we were, our message is it really can be quite easy if you just, you know, try it, just try it. And it's, it works. So one of the things that you pointed to is uh, kind of our conceptions or maybe misconceptions about meditation, where we imagine somebody sitting cross-legged somewhere, very quiet, staring at you know a candle flickering with not a thought in our head, um, forgetting that that is the image, not reality. And part of what I've heard from a lot of people is I can't, I can't concentrate. You know, I have no concentration these days. How, how could I possibly sit quietly? It sounds like what you're describing uh, means that they have something to concentrate on. Absolutely. It, whether it's <laughs> one woman in my group said, well, uh, and uh, unfortunately her husband just passed, but while he was in that, the last stages of cancer, it was just so stressful for her. Mm -hmm. um, so she kept imagining the most calming color she could think of. She would close her eyes and visualize the room being filled with beige. Now, for her, that was a very calming color. Not for me, but for her, that was a very calming color. So that in itself, and she was one of the ones that told me, I can't meditate. And so I said, well, you know, let's try something that would work for you. And she literally came up with that idea, and it worked for her. She would be able to go to sleep at night thinking of the color beige being filled up into her bedroom. Um, and, you know, it could be at one time I was on an air, of course, it's not during COVID-19. It was a couple years ago. I was on an airplane and the gentleman next to me, I could just tell he was, because we were getting close to landing, he was terrified of the, I think it was his first airplane trip. So I just said, hey, you know, you know, we had struck up a con conversation earlier and I said, hey, do you want to try something really cool? And he goes, okay. And I said, so what's that thing right there? And he goes, well, it's, it's the knob that holds the tray up. Well, how, how tall is it? You know, how wide is it? What's the texture? What's the color? And by the time he had answered all those questions, we were on the ground. He's like, wow, that was amazing. You know, he just completely took his mind off of landing. So we all can do it. Right. If we're engrossed in a movie, engrossed in a book, 
in, engrossed in the birds, uh, you know, chirping outside. We're all doing the very thing we're telling ourselves we can't do. It's uh, the fear of the void, I think, that a lot of people think that they're going to have to face uh, when they're, they have nothing and they have to create something. You've, you've already created it, which is the cool part of an app that walks you through something. Uh, they can uh, pop it in and listen. Um, the other thing that's cool about it is um, you probably recommend people not do it while they're driving, <laughs> but, uh, especially the sleep there, one. <laughs> there are some that they can do while driving, but okay. not most of them. Don't. Yeah, especially the sleep sleep loop. You, you, it's yeah, not we, the, we also <laughs> urge uh, you know brain surgeons not to listen to yeah. it while right. they're working. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and which is an interesting conversation, right? About what doctors do listen to when they're operating, yeah. and uh, that's a whole different topic, though. But <laughs> right. let's go back to this: the app that somebody can uh, decide that they're experiencing, uh, or suddenly be aware that they're experiencing stress, and um, go back and pull up an app. Um, this is a phone app, correct? Correct. iPad, iPod, iPhone, and Android. Yep. So uh, we carry those with us, most of us, uh, <laughs> most of the time. So uh, that means that a meditation is always, you know, kind of a hand reach away uh, just to pop it in and go. Um, and what I like about your model is somebody can try it out um, without committing to uh, a subscription or anything else just to see uh, what what it does for them and how it helps, uh, which is a great way of, let's call it zero risk. Seeing no, how no this, excuses. Yeah, no, most of us uh, can uh, easily pull out a phone and find the uh, app store or Google store, or whatever. I've got an iPhone, so I've got to admit it. The app store is what I know it as, but whatever else you find on an Android Google store. Play. Google Play, thank you. Uh, the Google Play store, you can go and find on Google Play and uh, quickly do that. So um, it really kind of leaves us with not much excuse. Um, let's talk a little bit about what somebody who is dealing with this COVID situation, why would that be of, of interest to them? What, what do you see as a commonality that crosses over from uh, kind of the, um, the beginning point of view for people on a medical journey to today? What, what are the crossover points? Yeah, so just like any major medical illness, there's so much uncertainty about the future. There's so much fear that the you know what's coming. You know that that anticipate. You know, there's a really interesting thing happening right now, which is also what you experience when you're diagnosed with a major illness, as a patient and a caregiver, and it's called anticipatory grief. Mm -hmm. And and it's where you really, ju you, there's just so much confusion and you're just not really, um, all that sense of security, I'm air quoting because there's really no such thing as certainty other than change, mm -hmm. right? But we all we pretend we pretend and we want it and we, we desire hold up the illusion of it. Yes. <laughs> yes. We expect it. And then when it feels like it's ripped away, then or it really punctured. shakes. Yeah. Our, yeah. Mm -hmm. Shakes our world. Um, so that is a huge, uh, you know, common theme between the, the COVID-19 and, and uh, being diagnosed with a major um, medical illness uh, fear, Oof, so much fear. And then there's so many other emotions that I'm finding more and more as COVID-19 goes on, you know, anger, Oof, a lot of anger coming mm. up, uh, was flaring up this week, and, you know, w with my work with clients and in my groups. Um, and, uh, but that, uh, that sense of it's just not in my control. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't like that feeling. I want it to be in my control. And I think that part of the lesson, there's, there, there is um, a sacredness to what's going on in terms of, um, you know, how about if we just take a deep breath and release, uh, you know, this sense of needing security and control and, you know, some, yeah, safety, whatever, and just get really curious about it instead. Like, just get really curious about whatever's coming up for you or whatever's coming up for other people or even what you're hearing, you know, I, for one, don't listen to the news right now. I just don't listen to the news. And I, I'm a much calmer person because of it. Um, but just, just get really, really curious. And then it, what it does is you're, you're kind of opening that space of allowance of just what is showing mm-hmm. up instead of having to feel like you need to, like, you know, um, wrestle it to the ground. Yeah. I've been talking this week a good bit with different groups. And one of the things that I'm clear about is that we're living out the the stages of grief. Um, And we have always, uh, I know in my background, uh, when I was first taught the stages, it was a prescriptive, you know, you've got to move through them rather than a a descriptive, this is where I am. And uh, it's been helpful for me to sometimes be able to say to somebody, you know, this sounds like that stage called anger. (laughs) and uh anchor is a place where you finally go wait i don't have any control and that that really pisses me off and then you struggle against that um but to be able to recognize that stage is a is a beginning point that's what i've been talking about this week is the beginning point um part of what you're describing is kind of the okay so now what you know how can i deal with that a little bit and uh, maybe address it a little bit. So um, any of those stages, I mean, denial, as far as I've noticed, the only one that people um, don't admit to is denial (laughs) by its nature, right? (laughs) So true. That's when in some way says you have a diagnosis and you don't notice what that diagnosis was for a month, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and and that can insulate you long enough to do what has to happen, you know, to, right. to get to that stage. It's a but protective mechanism. It is a protective mechanism. And um, my early days when I was also taught, we were also taught to rip that away from people. Um, mm-hmm. And now we know better. Um, mm-hmm. So because then we go to bargaining, which I see a lot of bargaining these days. You know, if, if we do this, can we just do this? If we, you know, is there some way to shortcut this? Right. And then there's depression and anger or anger. And then depression is generally the, the, process. And I hear a lot of people talking about the depression now, which is also something you're talking about. How do you find your calm? Because this, as I've seen it, is not a calm depression. It's a very agitated depression that people feel. And then we get to the place where we are dealing with what is, which we call acceptance. So um, great process to help people get to that. Um, So since probably most people listening to this uh, are perhaps even listening on that same device that might carry your app. <laughs> if they were to, and I'm suggesting that you, if you're listening to this, do that, open up either Google Play or App Store, what would they search for? You would search for Loving Meditations um, on either one of those uh, stores. And um, yeah, it's a free download. And so loving meditations at your your favorite device's favorite app store. <laughs> yeah, and we can make it even easier, Lee, by um, sending folks to a, a webpage called Perfect. calmcancerstress.com, C-A-L-M, calmcancerstress.com. Um, it has direct links to Google Play and the app store. 
And uh, although it says calm cancer stress, I would say that mm, 80, 90% of what's on the app is not specific to cancer, but it would work for anyone uh, who's experiencing the things we've been talking about. Great. And you also have another website, uh, lovingmeditations.com. Is is that going to give them different information or can they? Yes. It has um, information about the app, our Mm -hmm. book, Live Calm with Cancer and Beyond, and uh, our Loving Meditations TV, which is the waiting room TV we discussed, and um, blogs and lots of other good stuff. Great. And we'll put links to all that in the show notes so people can find that. Um, any any final thoughts about uh, next steps, what people can do other than grab your app? <laughs> you know, it's uh, I, I think it would be so fantastic if people just instituted a couple of things that maybe they heard here or in your other episodes and just integrated into their life, like their daily life, whether it's just breathing uh, and focusing on inhale and exhale for one minute each hour for eight hours, or it's, it's that self-care routine that you integrate into your daily life. And it makes a big, big difference in the long run. Great final words, because it tied some pieces together, like the fact that we uh, do have some control of a few things, um, not what's going on around us, but how we deal with that, which you were pointing to. And David, your point that sometimes we have more time. So, um, right. you know, the, the time can be spent how we choose it to. So Tamara, your thing on uh, the fact that we don't have control of everything to find what we do. And David, yours is that uh, we might have a little more extra time that might be better spent not worrying, but finding our place of calm. Thank you so much for sharing. This was great. And again, uh, we want to make sure that people get that app. So thanks so much for sharing that and sharing the app and also your mission. Uh, And uh, let's hope that uh, we find some paths to calm through that process. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. It was a pleasure being here. It was great. Thank you. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thrive.